Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Beauty Needs Me. I'm Talia Griffin and I'm here with my co-host Dunio Dumasu. Hey Duni. Hey, and if you are new to this space on this show, we take a different approach to beauty. You'll still get product recommendations and routines, but we like to discuss beauty from a global perspective, one that crosses color, culture, and country lines. We also look at beauty as a 360 experience that's rooted in mind, body, and soul. But don't get it twisted, we're still funny as hell, so you'll learn a lot and laugh a lot too. We decided to kick off the year by doing some podcast swaps with a few of our favorite Black and PLC podcasts. Each show we've chosen offers a unique perspective on beauty as it relates to culture and societal beauty standards. In this episode, we chat with Sky and Amanda of the Long Story Short podcast, both of whom are native New Yorkers. Sky and Amanda discuss their journeys with beauty, insecurities linked to their cultural backgrounds, and parallels between how beauty is depicted in books and reality. We're super excited for y'all to listen to this episode. Make sure you're following us on Instagram so we can discuss it. Okay, let's get into this. All right. Hi, ladies. Welcome to the pod. Hello. Hi. So let's keep Gemini it. sisters. What's yeah. up? <laughs> Guy, are you a Gemini? Yes, I am. I'm a May Gemini, May 30th. Okay, I'm May 26th. All right. All three of y'all. I'm going to be a hater. I'm a June Gemini. Amanda, when's your birthday? August 2nd. I'm a Leo. Are you a Leo? Okay. I like Leos though. Okay. I have many Leo friends. I feel the energy. I feel it. I'm like, this is I'm familiar. glad you receive it. I'm glad you receive it. <laughs> it's familiar. <laughs> so let's let's hop right on in. I am interested in both of your journeys with beauty growing up, kind of how you saw beauty, what your ideas of beauty were, and how they've evolved. And for whatever reason, I'm going to throw this in there, especially because y'all are both from New York. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I just feel like my New York friends always have a very unique relationship with beauty that I appreciate. Okay. So I didn't know that. Okay. So, so Sky, you, you start. So start with you. But Wait, I want to ask Dooney, what's that? like what is that view like what is the I New think York it, I think it's always I think there's a very subtle confidence with the beauty okay. even when there's insecurities involved and I think it's also very regional like I think there's always a okay yeah that's cool but we don't do that in New York so that might be cute for how you look <laughs> no, that's okay. over there but there's very there's a there's very much like a grounding in terms of like what flies in New York. Mm-hmm. Facts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yes. Um, so for me, this is Sky, everyone. But for me, beauty definitely has evolved over the years. I am now becoming more comfortable on what that means for me. Um, and before to me, beauty like growing up was just a pretty face. Like it wasn't, it, it was just like, okay, the pretty face. To your point, Dooney, beauty to me was always style, confidence. Mm-hmm. Like it was always like a more of a demeanor, more of like the way you look really. And it wasn't really broken down to me and like, okay, take care of your skin. Like put this makeup on, let's put a little highlighter, let's do a mascara. It was always like, all right, what are we rocking? What are we doing? Where are we going? What's the hair like? And what's all that? So 
that's still very much a big factor for me, but now being more confident in how I'm presenting myself out there, what type of woman do I want to become? Or like everything else is like a little bit more comfortable where before I might've put myself as a tomboy, but a lot of people would say like, oh, she was a tomboy growing up because she likes sneakers. And yes, I still am very still much. Is. It still is ingrained in me. It will never go away. And that's just like, it, I never wanted to identify with that because I felt like it was always, you wanted to disconnect me from the quote unquote girly girl, mm. which at the time back in the day was like two different things. Now I feel like the cultures have emerged. So it's a lot easier. And now I could feel more comfortable. Like, oh yeah, I could rock a heel. I could work makeup. I could do all this and it'd be blended together. For those of you who maybe don't know Sky, Sky is one of the flyest. Girl. I don't know Sky. Let's be clear. I don't know Sky. Like okay. I ain't Sky, never met Sky before a day in my life, y'all. Sky is forever one of the flyest girls <laughs> I have ever met, even with the sneakers. Sky's sneaker collection rivals any dude you know have yes. ever met. And she <laughs> seamlessly mixes it in with her with her heels and everything. So I just gotta put that out there. Thank you. I received that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so so Sky, they can't see you, but Sky is light skin. Sky, I'm, I'm about to do some some racial shit. Yeah, Are you no, like biracial? Or um, I mean, technically no, but so my mom is biracial and my dad is black. So I am extremely pale for anybody that doesn't already know me and doesn't see me. I get um people don't think that I'm black at all. Or it's always like, okay, no, she's more white than black, if mm-hmm. anything. So I don't give respect in a joking way from a lot of people. And your mom, your mom is black and white? As a black woman? A bl- mom, huh? Yeah, she does. Okay. Yes. Because all biracial people don't identify as black people. No, so. she 100%. I didn't know that she was really, um, my grandparents were past. I didn't know much about like that history. So I didn't know she was essentially biracial, like for real. And so like a little older, because it was always like growing up, it was always like, what are you? What are you? And I remember coming home like from elementary school and asking my mom and she's like, you're black. It was straight out like point blank. It wasn't an explanation as to like what that actually meant, which I've had to come as I got older to actually learn. But it was always like a dead smack, like you're black. If anybody asks you, that's exactly what you say. Like no ifs, ands, no questions, no doubts about it. That's really interesting. And I find that that's like a real New York thing. So like I moved to New York in 2010, me and like a bunch of people from Chicago. And before New York, no one ever asked me what I was. Like, I've never heard that. I heard you talk mm. about that. And I was yeah. very interested. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know if it's just because of how I look that no matter where I go, I always get asked that question. Cause it's like, I guess I'm just so much an anomaly to people. It's like, like they just need to figure it out. So I can go to a different country and they're going to ask me, I can go to different States and they're still going to ask me. It's a question that gets asked. If I was, if I was not in quarantine and stuck in my house, I would get asked that every day. Wow. Which is crazy. Cause you literally look like the people in my family. And I think maybe because growing up, I wasn't well traveled. Like no one was asking me that. Yeah, I've been to other countries and stuff like that happened. But the first time it happened was New York. And it's happened to all of us. And we were all like, what kind of weird, what kind of question is that? Like, what do you mean? You see my black ass face? Like, what are we talking <laughs> and, about? <laughs> and that was how my mom 
it was like, it was, a, and I, Amanda and I talked about this on our podcast, like it was mm-hmm. always a defensive response. Mm-hmm. So my mom was like, you just told me you're black. It doesn't even matter. So it was just right. like, I picked that up. And then until I learned more about like the identity and what that really meant, it's a lot different. Sometimes people just really don't know. They just really just never seen a light-skinned black. I don't want to say never, but you know. You, you would yeah. think they never. Yeah, yeah, you would think. It's just hard to say never, but it's like, and then like I'm really pale in regards to just being a light-skinned woman. So it's a little different. Yeah. And Amanda. Mm-hmm. Oh, Amanda. I was going to ask your- Amanda that, yeah. Yeah, what's your ethnicity, Amanda? Before we uh, get into your your how you identified with beauty. So my mom is Puerto Rican, my dad is Cuban and African American. Okay. So I identify as black or Afro-Latina. Okay. Okay. Before Afro-Latina, because I have one of my um really good girlfriends, Aisha, is Afro-Latina. She's Panamanian and Costa Rican. So I often have this conversation with her in terms of like how important is it to identify as an Afro-Latina woman versus just Spanish or just Black? Mm-hmm. Is that something that you that you struggled with over the years? When I was younger, absolutely. And this was something I also talked about when we had a conversation similar on the podcast of, you know, I grew up for the most part with my mom's side of the family. So I was heavily engulfed in Puerto Rican culture, but not so much um, wrapped up in my identity of being black. And a lot of times there was this separation, like, okay, you're Puerto Rican because of your mom and you're black because of your father. So I was just walking around like, okay, I'm Puerto Rican and black, not really understanding or connecting to the fact that I am also black because I am Puerto Rican and not just because of what my father is. Um, And I never heard anyone in my family on my mom's side ever identify with being black. They just identified with being Puerto Rican and that was kind of the end of it. Um, So there was definitely a huge, a point of like revelation for me as I started to educate myself and really understand what Puerto Ricans are made of. And that's when you start to realize like they are black. And I look at pictures, my great grandmother on my mom's side, um, my grandmother's mother who was born in Puerto Rico is darker than me. But there's just so many layers to it that I think that even even she did not really connect with the idea of being a Black woman. Um, So there was just a huge separation. But for me now, it is important to identify that way because I think it brings both together. I accept the fact that I'm Puerto Rican. I accept the fact that I'm Cuban. I accept the fact that I'm African-American. And altogether, this is who I am. So yeah, it's it's I think it's been amazing to have new references and new ways to identify that make you finally feel seen and like you have a place in between everything and you don't have to choose either side because we're literally all one. So then growing up in terms of beauty and correct me if I'm wrong because I think most a lot of girls will identify with their moms first because that's you know your first reference point for as a female as a woman in terms of what beautiful is so what were your thoughts of beauty did you identify with beauty in in the Puerto Rican sense in terms of what standards were um, upheld in the Puerto Rican community oh my god yeah and that was a struggle so I grew up in East Harlem 
And when I was younger, I think I would say until I got to high school, the majority of my friends were Puerto Rican and light skin. And so I was black to them. I was there, you know, they knew that I was Puerto Rican, but it was like, Amanda's black. And again, even with my friends, never heard a single one of them ever identify themselves as being black. Um, so there was this separation and I was able to see my mom's lighter than me as well. Um, and I was just able to see how like the boys gravitated towards, you know, them, the, you know, the lighter skinned girls and they were all just, just Puerto Rican. There was no, you know, I'm black as well. So that kind of started to create um, what I viewed as being beautiful and it wasn't me. And I agree with Sky in the sense of, I do think that in New York, your sense of style is what carries your confidence and says a lot about um, how other people see you. And so I always felt extremely confident in my style and my ability to carry myself. But when it came to like what other people thought was beautiful, it wasn't me. That I didn't I didn't start feeling that way until I got older. I think also I struggled with um, with my size. Like I was always one of the smaller girls. I was extremely skinny compared to other girls who were starting to develop. So that was like another layer to it. Like I'm the skinny black girl. Same girl, same. The, you know, <laughs> I and know I, that. yeah. And there's, I mean, we all know that there's like a huge difference when it comes to how you can respond to people poking jokes at you being skinny versus you being heavier. Mm -hmm. So I think that a lot of times people just think like it's funny, but when you're a girl who's like coming into her own and trying to get a grasp of like who you are, that's a struggle, especially ain't when nothing like you funny want about bigger. saying I look like I don't eat. Like ain't shit yeah, funny about it. <laughs> exactly. Like you want to be bigger. Like I don't need to hear that. I'm already struggling internally with, you know, not yeah. growing same ways that I'm seeing other girls grow. So that combination together, I think I appeared a lot more confident than I was internally. Um, and same. over the years, the more that I learn and understand where a lot of that comes from, I don't take any of it personally. And my views on beauty have shifted a lot. And so I don't, yeah, I just don't. Amanda, I want to talk to you real quick about the separation. And again, had I if I was a better journalist, I would have already known that you were half Puerto Rican, but I am not. <laughs> um, so because you, okay. So this is something I realized in New York is that a lot of Spanish people say nigga, right? Like a lot of Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, they always say nigga. Mm -hmm. um, me being from the South side of Chicago who grew up around nothing but black people. Um, it was something that I was like, oh, who are these non-black people saying nigga? Um, so growing up, having a family who doesn't identify as black um, and having friends who don't identify as black, but growing up in New York where every person of color says nigga, was that, what was that? <laughs> because I can tell you how it made me feel when I first came to New York and I was like, what is this? But then what you quick quickly realize is that that's some New York shit. Like anybody who with a drop of melanin says nigga. And granted, and I learned this from um, from, from this other podcast called, uh, what is it? Uh, damn, I can't even think of the name right now. But I learned about the history of Puerto Rico and identifying with race from this other podcast um, where they did talk about 
how Puerto Ricans in Puerto Rico specifically were like a mix of everything and they didn't actually have race. And when the census came around, that was something they kind of grappled with because America put that on them. So I very much understand how Puerto Ricans, um, how some of them don't identify as black. And then you have the, like the, the JLo's who again, in a song written by Ashanti said nigga. And I was like, what is this? And everybody was like, that's New York. Yeah, I think growing up, there was a lot more ignorance on my part of like not really thinking too much into it, if I'm being honest. And that could probably come from the fact that I wasn't really wrapped up in my identity of like learning much about my culture and what it really truly means to be Black and the way that it should be celebrated and the ways in which I should be mindful of how people talk around me and what they choose to say and what they feel comfortable with. So it wasn't a thing until I started getting older. And I think that there's a there's just a level of, of it's just very complex, I think, when it comes to Latinx culture and that some people do identify as Black and others don't. So now I'm kind of at a point where like, if you tell me that you're a Puerto Rican, but you don't have identify as being black in terms of your race, then I don't see why you're using that word. Like, you know, so it's it's totally different for me now. And I haven't like gone back and had those types of conversations with my family members to see how they feel about it or what do they think of themselves um, when it comes to their race to even make a decision on how I would feel if they were continuing yeah. to use the word nigga going forward. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it, I'm very much triggered to it now. Like if I'm outside and I see that there are, you know, brown people that are using it and I know for sure that you don't think you black, it bothers me. Like, yeah. you know, strangers walking down the block, like I'm annoyed, I'm bothered. I, if I walk into the store and I hear it, like you're pissing me the fuck off. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it's tough. It's like, you can have those conversations and I do believe in the power of, uh, unlearning just as much as learning. And, you know, as you have conversations with one person, they take it in and then they move on and be able to explain it to another person. And hopefully it starts to evolve, um, you know, our sense of thinking overall, but I guess it is, I, I never really thought about it being like a New York thing. It's not a New York thing. I never, it definitely was just a Chicago thing. I thought it was just a hood thing. It's not a New York thing because, and this is interesting that this came up because I was just having this conversation this past weekend because I have a huge issue with Africans in Africa using the word because mm -hmm. number one, Africans in Africa make it a point not to identify as black. There's a, there's a huge separation between being black American or even being first generation you know, Nigerian, Ghanaian, whatever you are, American, and this thought of like, you're not really African, right? So I don't understand then if you separate yourself from the experience and you don't live here and you didn't grow up here, why you so freely use that word? That pisses me off. Like, I hate when I hear people, you have never left your country, be it Nigeria, Ghana, Kenya, wherever, and you're just throwing the word around. Like, I don't, 
that I don't understand. So I don't think it's just a New York thing. I think it's, it's a New I think York it's a thing. Wide, I think it's a widespread issue that's it's happening. A new, it's a New York thing. I mean, in the sense of non-Black people saying it, like Spanish people specifically. I It was New York where I've never seen so many Spanish people say it and it just be accepted. And my like cultural example was J-Lo in the I'm Real song. It's like, no one's, we just, we just let the shit, we just let it go. We just, we just, and they, and it was very much presented like, oh yeah, well, you know, Spanish people in New York say it all the time. And it's like, oh, is that, is that what y'all do? Okay. Good to know. I think it's also a difficult thing to to um, keep up with in terms of accountability because it's like, all right, every time you hear somebody say nigga, are you going to ask them like, well, are you black? Do I identify right. black? Because you can't really make the assumption based off of someone's skin complexion, whether they identify with something or not. So it's like, it's a really tough place to be right. in unless that you want to put all your energy into finding out what somebody right. believes themselves to be, then it's not as simple as like, do you think that you're black? The person says no. And you're like, well, so why are you using that word? If you come from a place of like curiosity, like I would, it would be an ongoing Both conversation about history and what's right and what's not and what you need to learn. And that's, you know, it's, it's exhausting. So yeah. I can see how important it is to hold those conversations and make a safe space for them when it comes to like you, your close knit group, especially if it's something that you are not okay with. Um, but other than that, it's just, it's annoying, but it ends up That's being true. what it is, unfortunately. So yeah. both of you are obviously hosts of a podcast that is centered around books. So I have a couple of questions. First is on average, how many books, actually not even on average, in 2020, how many books did each of you read? Who look at Scott face? I can I stopped <laughs> counting. Uh, not that, maybe, maybe like a little over 30. Yeah, because we had, um, we had like 22 episode, episodes mm -hmm. um, from our start all the way to the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And then we're also a part of a book club um so we read one book a month with our book club as well so that and right there one book a week with the show one Basically. book a week with the show so that's 22 and then you know let's say 10 to 12 books with the um with the book club for the year that alone yes. is over 30 and then whatever personal books we read so. what kind of jobs yeah. do y'all have where y'all got time to read all these books <laughs> Ooh, okay <laughs> this guy is busy how did y'all get wait into sky wait sky what do you do the most no, no. <laughs> sky is a uh, resident expert on cookware yeah basically i do have a daytime uh job basically i'm a data analyst you know long story short data analyst in one area and the second job is just part-time that i was doing for a little bit of extra cash, um, again, still in the home industry, more on the customer service side. So both doing both from home, it's a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> and reading books. On and the in the podcast, it's another job as well. So <laughs> it is a lot. Yes, it is. I think audio, audio books also helps because Major help. you're definitely like able to do two things at one time. You can mm -hmm. 
be working or cleaning, running your errands, what have you, and then also being able to, you know, listen in and catch up. And then sometimes also, um, I've grown to be okay with uh, not finishing a book if it ain't for you. Um, so I think that helps as well when you reach a point in a book where you're just like, okay, this is either not serving me or it's not the right time for it. Maybe I'll come back to it later. Um, or if it's a book club book that I'm like, okay, let me get as much of it as I possibly can to be able to contribute to the conversation, but it's not 100% something I want to finish. Um, that kind of helps too. I think it's not really beneficial to kind of force yourself to read if you're doing it for the purpose of leisure versus yeah. like I'm in school and I have to because I'm right. going to be tested on it. If yeah. it's not yeah. doing it for you, move on. Yeah. yeah. And I have a personal like amount. Not, I don't have like a page, but it depends on like if I just start a book and only read like five pages, I don't count that as I read the book. But like what Amanda's saying, if it's something I just didn't decide that I did not like or it's just I'm not going to read. Those count. Those yeah. absolutely count. We actually don't know how y'all know each other. Like, how do y'all know each other? <laughs> we met at Temple. Me and Sky? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, y'all yeah. all went to college together. Okay, so I'm the only one who didn't go to Temple. Got it. That's all right. Honorary is okay. You're part of the club. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Yeah, we, we met. Bad honorary members. <laughs> we met uh, freshman year in college. Um, and then I left Temple, but I stayed very close to all of my friends there and continued to visit. And then of course, the majority of them came back to New York because that's where they lived. And so we've all just stayed really close since. So in terms, in terms of the novels that y'all have been reading, I'm really interested in your perspective on how beauty is either discussed or described. Like, do you see running themes in terms of like how women are portrayed, maybe even how men are portrayed, even in terms of like, you know, I feel like when we talk about specifically Black TV shows or movies, you know, I feel like there's this very standard, the lighter skinned woman is the love interest, the darker skinned woman is, you know, I don't know, the friend or has the harder life. Do you mm -hmm. see that kind of, that those kinds of themes played out in, in novels? Page, yeah. I think for me, I think that it's the same themes because it's the reality of Black women. So I think it would be a little far-fetched if we saw anything different in books than we saw in media because it's, it is our reality. Um, I think what I love about books is that to me, the whole um, point is to evoke not just emotion, but conversation. Mm. So I love that with books, we get both fiction and nonfiction. So we can educate ourselves and we can also entertain ourselves while all um, feeling seen and heard and understood based on, you know, whatever is said. So I do love that we're kind of coming to this point where there's a importance of like Black authors and Black storytelling because we have a chance to really understand more of like why things are the way they are in terms of you know colorism and Eurocentric views and like the role that that kind of plays in how Black women look at themselves but also each other and I think that all of that has kind of played a role in how much we're able to talk to each other from all perspectives. I think that there's kind of, create we've kind of created this space where 
especially like with colorism and the views that are kind of considered to be most beautiful, when you're on the end of that and you have that privilege, there's not as much room to kind of speak on your experience of it because people mm. kind of only want to hear when it's the one that's kind of the, I guess, more oppressed in, in terms of whatever the situation is. So I think it's been both. Like, I love that we had a chance to, we read a book called Twisted and we got to have a conversation around black hair and it was nonfiction. So we got to learn a lot about um, certain hairstyles and where they come from and that kind what of- What did you learn? Tell us a gem. A lot of, I think that I learned more so- that a lot of the views that we have stem further back than sometimes I think maybe we, mm. we really, you know, we really think about, and I know that it's like, we say it all the time, like everything come back to slavery, but I think it really does. Everything does that, come back to slavery. Yeah, so I think that, I think that when we read books like this, it just reminds us of that. Like, how can I learn more about where all of this started and what things were like before it started so that I can kind of use that as my reference point in terms of how I react to whatever feelings I'm having around beauty and not feeling beautiful or feeling certain privileges or not being able to speak on my feelings because of privileges like the more you understand I think and I hope that there kind of makes more room for all of us to talk about where we all are with these you know these types of things yeah and I love that book because we really opened up the conversation on how we personally feel about our hair and how it ties to beauty and our self-esteem and self-confidence and that was a major turning point for me because, you know, you asked what was some of like our views on beauty growing up. I was the light-skinned girl with the long hair with, that gets it done every, every other week at the hair salon and it's just long hair. So everyone always coveted or commented or said anything about my hair. So I felt it was like, I cannot remove this because I am not going to be that anymore. Mm. So and that you, was very hard for me. And I would never cut my hair. I just cut my hair like I'm 32 years old. All of this times I had that, I carried that with me of what I was told till now. Right. So, and that's, I, I love that. And I don't think that hair, maybe I'm naive. I don't think hair gets discussed as much, maybe more, maybe now. I but think I we're doing like it now. in the black community, we've focused more on complexion. And growing up, and I, I attribute this to my mom, I didn't have complexion issues. I'm, you know, typically darker than most people I know or come in contact with that I grew up with. And I never had complexion issues. Hair though, mm-hmm. biggest insecurity growing up. I mean, biggest. Like once I, once I started getting box braids, that was it. Like I couldn't, I refused to be seen without either box braids or like micros once I started getting micros, because it was really the, the idea of just having hair. I, I was bald until I was like eight, you know, and then when I finally, oh, I'm serious. I mean, it was really, it was really little. And then I went bald for real because my two cousins, Faye and Ade, love y'all to death. They came from Nigeria or England. I forget where they were living. And they've always had long hair and they've been getting perms since forever. And I was like, I called my mom and I was like, mommy, I want a perm. They were going to the hair salon. My mother was like, I, I don't think you don't need a perm. You're 10, you don't need one. And I like threw a fit 
and two weeks later all my hair fell out mm. so I had to get a gluing a glue a full had a tracks glued in. It was so traumatic. And this is back, in like, back in 95. My mother, she like did not know what to do. So she literally just took me to her hairdresser. And the solution was to put these tracks in my head. And I feel like growing up, you know, we didn't really focus on hair care. It was just get your hair done, you know? So like, I didn't go natural until I was 20, what, 21, 20 or 21. And that was a whole process of finally learning how to do my hair. Because before then, the concept of hair care for me was getting it done. So you all said something really interesting, Sky, you did about um, coveting your hair. Mm -hmm. um, and I hope she don't kill me, but I'm gonna tell this, this little story about my mom. My mom is also light-skinned with long hair. Um, and her hair has always been like the thing about her, right? Mm -hmm. Like her face is gorgeous, but it's her hair that's gotten so much attention. When I was a senior in high school, um, she got sick shortly after that, she developed alopecia. Um, and she's lost a significant amount of hair since then. And mm -hmm. part of my mission as a daughter is to make sure that she's not out here with some crazy ass wigs on, right? Um, but from that, I decided that I would not place a lot of value on my hair. Mm -hmm. So my favorite body part literally became my feet. <laughs> like I want to love my feet too. Literally, yes. literally became my feet. And now full circle, I'm a foot model. But, but I started just really being like, anybody's like, what's your favorite body part? My feet. Cause it's the part that if anything happens, I break a toe, I cut it, whatever. Like no one is going to be like, oh, I feel so sorry for you. You know, blah, blah, blah. But the reaction to people, when you lose your hair after that was such a big deal of your identity and the therapy my mom had to go through to build up her self-esteem, I was like, that's some shit that I just can't deal with. Nothing on my face will ever identify, like will ever be responsible for carrying my self-image. Nothing yeah. ever. That's so interesting. It's like you kind of created a, uh, a defense that is like literally polar opposite, right? Like yep. rather than the top of my body, I'm going to draw my attention to the very bottom of it. And that's, that's my toes. And that's, so now that's <laughs> the what bottom I'm on my feet, the part yeah. that ain't nobody checking for. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's so interesting because it, it generally like makes me sad when I hear we laugh about like all of these mishaps that happen with our hair and these random experiences. And we done lost chunks of hair trying to get a perm or burning our foreheads for bangs. Um, but it's like when you really look at it, nine times out of 10, we suffered some form of trauma trying to get closer to whiteness. You know what I mean? Like it's always like comes down to, I was trying to straighten my hair. I was trying to make it look longer. Like it's very rare that you hear about people having physically bad experiences when they're trying to embrace what just naturally came out of their head. And it's like, it's such a struggle because it's like you want room for women to look however they want. If you want to perm your hair, go for it. If you want to wear a weave, you should be able to do that. If you want curly hair, wear your hair naturally, you should be able to do that as well. I think it's more so like when 
there isn't a reflect a self-reflection of why do I want this? Like, is it really genuinely just because I like the way it looks or is it because it's going to make me feel prettier? And then it's like, all right, if it's going to make you feel prettier, why? Why is that going to make you feel better? And like starting to just kind of have those real true talks with ourselves so that we can get to the bottom of why we feel as though we have to have certain attributes in order for us to be, you know, really worthy. So Amanda, what are your thoughts on plastic surgery? It's the same. It's the same. Like, look, you want to get a boob job? Go for it. You got the bread? Do it. Okay. If that's what's going to like make you yourself when you look in the mirror, like feel better. Cool. But I do think that sometimes it goes very far and those people aren't taking a moment to like really ask themselves like, why? Why did I not feel beautiful the way that I was? Why do I feel like if I continue to try for this, I'm going to feel better? Like, I think it's just a matter of like real true self-reflection, making sure that your mental health is intact as well. I think a lot of times there is a real connection between where people are in the mental, spiritual space that reflects how they feel about themselves, you know, on the outside. So it's like, there's so many layers to it. Right. And is that, do you have the same thought as it pertains to face surgery? Mm. <laughs> and the reason, mm. so the reason, I, the reason I ask this is because I often go back and forth with my own views on plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. I was always very diehard, like, why? Why are you doing it? Like, don't have. I personally don't have a desire to change anything. Although I will be getting a boob lift once I'm done having children because I, hear I want that. them to be perky again. So, <laughs> but in terms of like actually altering other parts of my body, like through surgery, I'm not interested, right? However, I have noticed a trend with a lot of Black women um, getting facial surgery, right? And it typically involves a skinnier nose or what I'm seeing now is like chin surgery, like having a very skinny like- Face. Face, right. And so, but then I look at white women who have been getting plastic surgery for years and I don't feel like they get they get the same heat but I do feel like nine times out of ten when black women are getting surgery it is for these more European features with the exception of like butt surgery or maybe you know getting skinnier which I think is a very universal thing so I often wonder well where is the line between letting people do them Mm-hmm. And also digging deeper. Because Amanda, I tend to share your sentiment in that if you are looking for a skinnier, whiter kind of face, to me, I'm like, there's there's a deeper issue there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm going to say the unpopular opinion, Amanda, before you jump in, and that I totally disagree. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Just say the unpopular opinion. So I actually think that white people have big noses, right? Like I think that black people may have broader noses, but white people have longer, skinnier noses. Mm-hmm. So, so when I think about getting a smaller nose, I don't think about white people because I don't think they have smaller noses. I think a lot of their noses are larger than mine. I also think that white girls get in nose jobs as like uh, high school graduation gifts has been happening exactly since like the dawn of time and I also think that and boo jobs jobs, I also think that as a black woman have I seen a black woman 
with a broader nose who got a nose job and she still looked good? Absolutely. One person that comes to mind is Shorty from Danity Kane. I can't think of her name, but she Dawn. got Dawn. Dawn. Yes. Like I she was, but Dawn changed her entire, entire face. face. Changed I, her entire face. And I liked her new face as much as her old face. I yeah, also like two different people now. <laughs> but but she was but she was cute regardless. I also liked Lil' Kim's first nose job. Like her first new nose was cute. <laughs> and it's like I think sometimes people take it too far, but I don't think that the idea of getting a smaller nose is like a white people's nose because they noses aren't think, really I desirable. Pointier. I think pointier is definitely a more more similar white to white thing. people. Yeah. yeah. I also don't think as somebody who has a round ass face, if I get a skinnier face, I also don't think that that's a white thing because there are black women in my family and I've seen black women all over the world like a Naomi Campbell. I don't know if her face is real or not. I think it is. But I don't think that having a fat face is a black thing and having a skinny face is a white thing i don't mean fat and skin i i can't describe it i'm certainly not implying that all black people have fat faces i'm saying that there's like there is a very distinct and i don't want to say this person's name just because i i don't think that that's right but i i will send you guys a picture and you guys will see what i'm talking about it's a very distinct difference in the shape of the face i think i know you're talking about and i'm so gonna need to why, know so I that's, can why, have that's why i was like I'm, i have that in mind so for all our listeners i'm in no way implying that um like people have just just me just I'm me torn. okay okay yeah i'll just say that jump in sky no i just my thoughts on it i'm torn like of course i want to say like kind of what amanda says like you want to do what you want to do but i think a lot of it is rooted in the feel that you are not good enough and you want to look a certain way to be um liked by somebody else yeah. and i that's sad that's so sad and, and i know not all cases that's why i said like i'm torn like i do think that obviously there might be in cases that are needed so you know thankful the plastic surgery is available for um those people but in the esteem issue i'm torn i'm i'm torn with it yeah yeah what you think i think i think there is again there's a lot of layers to it because one me saying like i think that people need to do some self-reflection as to really asking themselves why do i think that it's always rooted in like wanting like white shit no but do I think that a lot of times when you notice that it doesn't end with just one thing I think that there is a connection to self-esteem you know what I mean like it's it's okay you got one thing done got your boobs done okay they look better you feel better but then it's like all right so now that wasn't too bad let me go in for my nose and let me go in for this and that and that's when it's like you have to take a second to really connect with the fact that you don't feel worthy with the original features that you were given like so there's something there I also think that sometimes there's a difference between doing shit because it's like white shit and doing things and realizing that they're anti-black I think that doing certain like having a skinnier nose it might not put you closer to looking like a white person's nose but it is taking you away from one of the features that are made to believe like 
it makes a black person not look the best. That's what they get made fun of or people draw attention to it. So yeah, there's still an anti-black layer there. You're trying to change something about yourself. That is a feature that you have most likely because of your race. And most likely you want to get rid of it because it's something that is not considered by society to be attractive. Right. So, I agree. But, the, but I also struggle with, with the fact, oh wait, Dooney, are you talking? Yeah, I, I don't, I think there's some sort of a delay. I think the thing though that then trips me up is I say to myself, white women for whatever reason have been getting surgeries and that seems to be very much accepted. I don't feel like they get nearly as much heat as black women do for getting surgery. And so I get it and I agree that I do think that nine times, not nine times, but I think a good majority of the time black women are getting surgeries because it's somewhat to remove anti-black features with the exception of their bodies, because I feel like everybody wants a shapely body. But when it comes to the face, it's, it's mostly to get rid of whatever these features are that link them to being black. But we still don't give the same heat to white women. Like, I don't I know that- now they are though. I think now white women are starting to get more heat and that's because they're trying to have black features. So now they're out here black fishing, like exactly. literally cultural appropriating our entire goddamn face. And like being seen as beautiful with the same exact features that we're made to feel like unattractive. So now, especially because of all the things that are going on and, and people are educating themselves further and wanting to really have a clear understanding and like um, celebration of like who we are as black people. I think there's a lot more awareness. Like you see it now and it's very frustrating. I didn't feel like before white women were getting these surgeries and trying to have bigger lips. I didn't feel like they were doing the same things that they're doing now. Like they're literally wanting to have black women faces. So now it's like, you're doing the most, like look at your face and you don't even look like a white woman anymore. So now I don't like it. So I think they're getting heat. I definitely think they're getting more heat now. I think something else I struggle with again, y'all unpopular opinion. (laughs) I struggle with the idea of black features while I understand um, that black, some black people tend to have broader features. um, I know a hangup of mine is that part of the reason that people don't think that I'm African-American is because they don't think that I have black features. What do they think you are? Girl. So they think, (laughs) they think that I'm either, East African or some sort of Spanish Caribbean, right? Um, which is which is cool because again, I've been to East Africa, I've been to several countries, and we do have similar faces. Like that's not lost on me. But the idea of you know that all black people look like one thing, yeah, and that you know these are black features, and because I have smaller features, you know I must be something else. Like yeah. I don't fuck with that either, you know. So it's like. If the black girl is getting, I don't know, a smaller nose and her nose go from, you know, looking like, I don't know, Jay-Z to looking like Beyonce, it's still a black nose. Like it's still a black feature because I don't want to be told that my feature isn't a black feature or that I have white features. Yeah, no, I feel you. I understand exactly what you're saying. I totally understand. I also think it's both like, I feel like oh. be, no. I feel like there might be a case where 
let's say somebody that's going to the nose or showing a picture of somebody else that's not Beyonce. Mm-hmm. Like it's a possible, like- That's totally, true. <laughs> it could be Beyonce because they may be wanting to look like Beyonce where a white person might be bringing in the picture of Beyonce, like I want this. Well, I think it's a mix of both. Like I totally understand Talia from what you're saying because people have said to me, I can only tell you're black because you have black features because I have broader lips, broader nodes, thicker, like, like when my hair is not straight, like I, that's the only pass that I can get. But then to your point, like you can meet people all over. We were talking about this a little bit earlier. It was like, there's so many ranges of blackness basically. So once I, in high school for me, when my best friend in high school, Jamaican, light-skinned Jamaican, when I went and met her family and they're all like, like me and I felt embraced and I'm like, okay, you guys have like this culture. I'm like, I'm completely Jafakian. You can't tell me. <laughs> okay. So that, that actually brings that up nothing. A, a really good point. Because, and, and something that Amanda alluded to earlier in terms of people, whether it's in movies, whether it's in reality and novels, really don't want to hear struggles of people who aren't perceived to be oppressed. So Sky, as a light-skinned woman, because I know people who feel like there is no such thing or as a light-skinned struggle, or they feel like it's not valid because light-skinned women are perceived to be more desirable, always who men want and who they go after and are on more of a pedestal. Is that your reality? Or do you identify with that? I, I don't identify with it, but not to say that it, I don't believe that it exists. It 1000% exists. I can never deny that. I do see it 100%. Media, Hollywood, everyday life, it's definitely there. I, from what I was told from other people, I sometimes get the, and I don't want to call it a struggle for me. And I, people might've put me on a pedestal because I was like, like I said, I was the light girl with the with long hair and a big butt. It's like, of course, like I knew I was 100% desirable for that. And I only thought I was desirable for that for a while. Mm-hmm. Not cause like, oh, they don't think I'm pretty. They like me cause I'm light. I didn't really say light, but this could just be subconsciously, but they like me cause I'm light, long hair and a big, big ass. Like that, that's what they like me for. So 100%. So yes, I would identify with that, but I don't lean into it. Like, I'm not like, oh, I'm not like her. Oh, mm-mm. that is literally you not um, my story. Danny, Danny Lee, uh, red nope. bone anthem girl. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. I'm very just aware. Like, listen, and again, cause it's, I, always, I think, I don't want to say that I saw myself differently but I I I'm pale so like people are usually oh no you're not like like you're pale like so you're different like we don't even cast you in that oh wow yeah so it's like yeah it's like mm -mm, you light but you you light light so it's more like we're gonna joke with you and all this other stuff and you know you could because you got your hair you, you know how to dress and all that other stuff but was pale viewed at as a negative to me it was because pale is closer to being white, not 
and like mm. it's a pale you know, I'm not tanning I'm getting red so it's like you don't really look black so it's like you're closer to other things um not being black right that's really yeah and then like for me like things I've heard but like on on, on in that same vein from guys they're like I wish you were darker like you know kind of like that type of thing like saying wait a minute not so what words. yeah what did they like what did they say I never heard no shit like that <laughs> one dude told me that he didn't want to have children with me because I was too light like he didn't want to bring home light babies he didn't want to bring okay. home white babies. What yeah. was his complexion? He was like you, Dooney. He was a so he was darker. darker. He was dark skinned, yes. He didn't want to bring home light babies. He like nope. he said he didn't want to bring home light babies. That's exactly what he said. Dark skinned person, a light skinned person could make a caramel. That's my thing. That's what that's <laughs> my my point. Yes, but people again are very naive and this wow. is like one of the dumbest things you said. And I'm like, so you could sleep with me, but you can't. You, like, or you want to say that you want to be with me, but you really don't want to be with me. Did you find okay, that? Um, Did you find there, that like, like there were men who only wanted to sleep with you because you were light scammed, but didn't want to like date you seriously? Well, that one, not like a, it wasn't like a normal thing, but I have had like, maybe I can name like three guys that kind of like preferred light skin. Three guys preferred light skinned women. So I fell into that. Yes. But Wait, they, know, preferred, we took the, they preferred light-skinned women, but didn't want to have children with light-skinned two, women. Two, one didn't want to have a kid with me. I didn't want to have a kid with him either, but let's just be clear, but <laughs> just- So if right. you're listening, okay? Yeah. <laughs> clear. God wasn't, wasn't even, trying to have your babies any damn way. It was not even to that point in the relationship. It was just something that he said. I've had somebody else, um, brown skin. He was like, you know what? Like, if- we only because I know you and like I really like you but if I had just like met you just now I probably wouldn't talk to you because you're not dark skin then the other guy I've only have like I only really like to date Spanish people but since you kind of like look like so yes three people there is nobody who has audacity like a man nobody ladies for those of y'all that are listening and I'm gonna say this all the time but ask for whatever the hell you want. Ask for what, don't let nobody shame you. Don't oh let nobody God. call you a gold digger. Ask for whatever the hell you want. Cause these men have audacity. Wow. Wait, wait, wait. I got one more for you guys. I got one more mind blowing one. This is maybe get a little explicit, but um, I've had somebody said like their fantasy was um, a pog, uh, P-A-W-G pretty ass white girl it's like a porn category for anybody that doesn't know interesting yeah that ain't I, that ain't in my search engine yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it's in nobody's search engine but they, the i didn't know what it was i didn't know he was like like i have a pog fantasy and you'll be able to fulfill that and i'm like but i'm not white not white wow i was like shocked right now yeah, you guys are both mind blown i just i can see like we we yeah. hear that men only want light-skinned women and that dark-skinned women are getting shaded continuously which i think is true it so, is true right. yeah okay. that is the majority of it. Right. it is the majority yes right. I, but I, the, the other piece that's crazy to me is that people are actually opening their mouths and saying this again the audacity I think, I think that is probably the crazier part that i can't believe people are actually saying this 
I would have to say what my advice would be, and I would Amanda has said this, like you gotta start letting people the, these guys know that they're trash more often. That kind of plays into what Sky's saying with me saying like let them know they're trash. It's more so hold them accountable. Yes. I think exactly. a lot of times yes, that's like exactly what she said. You know, if a woman, or I won't even say a woman, I'll just say if a person wants to remain desirable to another person, they tend to keep their mouth shut, even when the person says something that is hurtful or offensive or ignorant and just plain old stupid. And I think we have to move away from that. Like, there's no reason why somebody should feel comfortable sitting in your face, basically letting you know you're only worthy of this to me. I'm only interested in you for this. I have a preference and you just so happen to fit it. So that's the only reason I'm interested. Like there should be no alluding to any of that and like being able to sleep well at night, knowing that the other person say anything back. So yeah, or, or go unharmed. Yeah. Right. It's like, my like, older no. brother says all the time, don't let people mess with your people. If somebody messes with you or your people, they deserve like they deserve what comes with that. Period. I think but, that's so, educational moments. You know what I mean? Like you have to check people. You have to yeah, um challenge, challenge them in their thinking and trying to get them because nine times out of ten, they're just ignorant as fuck and don't know much of anything. They also don't know like that they have some form of self-hatred that they're now projecting onto other people. So like use that as an opportunity to make them uncomfortable, push them a little bit further and ask them about like, first of all, why did you think it was okay to say that to me? But like, why do you have that view? And how much of you hating yourself is wrapped up in you wanting to put me down because of the way that I look? Right. Amanda, I have a question for you because you have this beautiful curly natural hair. And I know within Latin communities, hair is very much a thing. And I know, you know, with the with the natural hair, I don't even want to say movement, but just in general, I think I think with black people, somebody with your hair, that is like beautiful. That's like the quote unquote ex- more accepted form of natural hair I would Mm -hmm. say but have you always embraced your natural hair and in terms of like how it was viewed have you seen or experienced this like being on both sides of the tracks in terms of having your natural hair out with your Puerto Rican community Cuban communities and then how that was embraced with with black communities oh yeah there's definitely been a shift um when I was younger, so what, when I was like, I would say maybe around like eight or so, like I was super confident about my hair, but I realized it was because I was tying, I started to tie my hair to freedom, right? Not like in the sense of how people do now, but like more so like, oh, I got to do my own hair and I was independent and I was doing my hair before other people were. So it was just kind of like, you know, I felt real grown and I felt good about myself, but I was always putting it back like in a bun or something. I wasn't necessarily wearing it out. And then I started getting relaxers when I was like, I don't know, I had to have been in elementary school. My mom wasn't the one who gave it to me. It was my aunt because the way that my mom's um, shifts at work went 
she wasn't the one who like did my hair the majority of the time. Mm. So my aunt was doing my hair. She ended up giving me a relaxer. And I think that it just kind of becomes a thing. Like once you get a relaxer, they don't even take a moment to really consider what your hair is like. You just keep getting them, right? It's just like, you just know you go every however often. And so it's a thing. So for years, I didn't see what my natural hair look like. And I, I also didn't really think too much about it. It was just like, okay, I get my hair straightened every week, go to the Dominican salon. They do it. They tell me when I need a new relaxer. And that became that. Did and everyone in your family get these relaxers though, or just you? No, it was, well, so the same thing happened to my mom when she was really young, her godmother had given her a relaxer and my mom's hair is nothing like mine. She has a super loose curl pattern. And to me, my hair was just so different than all of the other Puerto Ricans, not necessarily in my family, but in general, like around me, they all had either a really loose curl pattern or no curl pattern. Their hair was all like really long and straight. Um, so obviously I wanted to have my hair straight all the time, whether it was a conscious or subconscious thing, it was just kind of like, I get to get my hair straight. And also it was the easiest to manage. And very early on, I kind of internalized the idea of my hair being difficult to manage because that's the whole reason people get relaxers, right? It's like, it's too much. You got a lot going on. It's a lot of hair. Let's relax it. So when you straighten it, it'll be straighter. It'll look nicer. It'll be, you'll, it'll last longer. So to me, it was just kind of like, all right, my hair is a lot. And when you go to the Dominican salons, it's very easy for them to make you feel that way too. Like it's a lot. They, they charge you extra because yep. of, because of the texture of your hair. And it wasn't no, until- No, they don't. What? Yeah. yeah they'll, charge, they'll, they'll charge you more for texture and length because it's really like, okay, it's going to take me longer to do your hair than it is gonna take somebody whose hair is already usually straight. But like when you're in this ignorant stage, just like, okay, I pay what I pay, what have you. I didn't go natural until, I had cut my hair like in a really short pixie cut. And it the shorter your hair, the harder it is to manage. I, I don't know why people think that when your hair is short, like it's, you just wake up and go. Um, but the summer came around and I was just like, all right, let me, wear my hair wet because like it'll dry outside I need to keep it moving and I started to see like oh these are what my curls look like I hadn't seen my curls since I was a little girl so wow. from there it was just like all right I'm not gonna do this anymore so I I big chopped without even trying to big chop because it was like my hair was straight and short and eventually I just stopped straightening it and it wasn't until I became um the natural hair community started becoming what it was. And like, I would say, oh, nine, 2010, yep. that all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh my God, your hair's so beautiful. And it was like, nobody was really telling me that before. Right. Like that wasn't really a thing. It wasn't like, oh my God, I wish my curls looked like yours. So then that started making me reflect and think because I started seeing that everybody was going natural only if their hair was going to look a certain type of way. And other people were telling me, oh, I can't go natural because my hair is not going to look like yours. And it's like, but it's still going to be beautiful because it's yours. And I had to accept that texturism is a thing. Yes. And the natural hair community was, was blowing up because all these girls with these curls were going on YouTube, telling people, buy all these products. This is what my hair looked like at the end not taking into account the fact that like people with 4C hair aren't, they, they're not gonna have the same end result 
as right. you. And they right. weren't creating products specifically for women who had 4C hair. They were making it for people who had like 3A hair. And it was just like, yep. you had to work with what you had to work with. So it's like, I, I had a chance to kind of in my journey, see all the different layers of it where I didn't feel the best about my hair, where I did, but I understood that there's, I still have a level of privilege when it comes to the way that my natural hair looks versus other people. Right. So I'm gonna ask you another question, but beforehand, um, so it's interesting because when I was, I went natural in 05, that was my last relaxer. And I remember beforehand telling one of my friends who she went natural like maybe two years earlier. And I remember telling her, I can't go natural because my curl pattern isn't like yours. Mm -hmm. And she was like, what are you talking about? She was like, yes, you can. She was like, your curl pattern may not be like mine, but you have a curl pattern. And, but I remember being, being very strong about the fact that like, I'm not, I'm going to look crazy. I'm not going to look right with my hair being in its, in its natural state. And so it wasn't until 08 that I actually started wearing natural hairstyles. So between 05 and 08, I was just getting my hair blown out regularly, mm -hmm. like at the chop shop on, um, on campus. And then I finally went nat like really natural, but I remember most of the products, it was like mixed chicks, I think was highly praised. Um, Carol's daughter was just too expensive for me, Miss Jesse, but it was all catered towards that looser curl pattern back then. Um, mm -hmm. but Amanda, my other question for you is what does your family think about your natural hair? Oh, they think it's great. They think it's amazing. Okay. Um, okay. I would say my mom is one who, yeah, I believe like she always told me like, oh my God, your hair is beautiful. Like okay. from young, she just always kind of instilled that in me. Um, but I think just in general, she's always been one to let me know every time she sees me, even now, I'm 32, I don't ever see my mom and she's not like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. Like I never had any issues with getting um, praise when it came to how I looked or internally and out, um, outside when it came to my mom. Um, but I think that also there would be points where, especially in the beginning when I was starting to wear my hair natural and it was short, so it was growing out, it was going through weird phases. And I realized there were points then where I don't think people were understanding like this is my way of being now. So I would get comments like, oh, when are you going to get your hair done? Or like, you know, like they thought that it was a phase or I was just trying something out real quick. So I could see how some people considered when my hair was straight, it was like, you yeah. know, it's done. And not when I, I would spend all day having a hair day I done wash deep condition no respect my products no in respect. I'm feeling good and then I go and somebody's like when you gonna do, you gonna your, do your hair yeah, <laughs> yeah girl uh -huh. my dad uh -huh. used to say that to me all the time and I used to be like like don't do that because my hair is very much done but I think now because it's been going on for so long not just in my hair but like the natural hair community like becoming a thing. I think people are embracing it more and understanding that like, all right, this is black women accepting what their hair looks like, loving it and, you know, experimenting with it or just letting it be. So I don't get those types of comments, but in 08, I was getting them all the time. So Sky, I wanna um, direct this towards you because I was listening to your podcast mm -hmm. and you all talked about the book, Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. 
And so I want to talk to you about morning routines on a recent episode. I think it was Sky who went on a trip and she was like, she fell off her morning routine. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, sis, like story of my life. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I want to talk to you all about maybe like some of your morning beauty routines, if you even have any, like what things are you doing in the morning to kind of center yourself? Because we do like to talk about beauty from a holistic standpoint. So it's not just like, you know, products and shit like that. It's really soul care and, you know, finding that beauty um, inside and out. So what morning routines do you have? Right now, um, and it's still in the works. So this could probably change, but right now when I'm finding where I feel the best, besides waking up really early, so I'm at a six o'clock wake up right now, It'll either be a stretch, like a quick stretch, going in the bathroom real quick. I would, I'm trying to implement, um, I am implementing, I don't wanna say trying, gotta give myself a little bit of credit. So I'm doing um, some cardio in the morning. So a little exercise. So I have an exercise bike here. So I might drink warm water with lemon first thing in the morning, take a supplement like a probiotic, hop on the bike, before I even eat on an empty stomach, I do at least a 30 minutes shower. Then that's when I start my skincare routine, which in the morning, I feel, you know, a very quick, very basic cleanse, um, cleanse, tone, serum, moisturize, sunscreen. In that order, get dressed, start the day. What and product I you? Oh, just real quick. Mm-hmm. 6 a.m., it's dark, it's cold in New York. How, Sway? Okay. <laughs> I need light stimulation. And I think, Dooney, I heard you talk about this, that you have the UV light. I don't have a UV light, but I do have the alarm clock that does. Do, I have that. Yeah, no. I do. It works. And you're going to have to send us that that link so we can put it in the show notes. I do like it. Right, and so I, I can do, get it. I do like, even sometimes I do sleep with like, I, first of all, let's start at 6 a.m., I have to be in bed early enough. So if I don't get into bed by like 10 o'clock, if I'm going to bed like 11, I'm waking up 6.30, maybe seven the latest. It all starts with what time I'm going to bed. That's numero uno, because I do not function very well on less than seven hours of sleep. I could wake up at six and just not have a terrible day. (laughs) I I shouldn't speak that way, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, and I have not, my eyes would feel like I need a little light simulation. So if I don't have any light, I can stay in the bed all day. So I would look at my phone just so my eyes could like open. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, whether that's like looking, turning off the alarm, looking at an email, just like opening something. So I could be like, all right, I'm up now. And then I get up, I open up the, it's still dark, but I will open up the window shades, just making sure that I'm doing whatever I do. And I also have a, um, I don't like too much bright light in the morning. So I do have a dimmer. So I set the dimmer so it comes at a certain time and then it starts to rise to a brighter light by the time I'm ready to work out. Love. That light, I posted that about that in my Insta stories, I think last week has been such a game changer. Do you have the one that plays you can like wake up to the sound of birds? No, I don't have, I okay. don't think I have it. I just have a Philips alarm and it's, I guess it's supposed to mimic the daylight. So yeah, and it, yeah. It, it starts, if you like say, if I started at, if I set the alarm for six o'clock, 
five thirty. Oh, okay. Yeah, or five, whatever time. I think it's a half an hour before it'll start to like slowly like yep. the sun cortical slowly rises. So I'm if I'm it. facing it too, you kind of like start to like your eyes feel start to it. feel that. So yeah. it's supposed to help you wake up. Yeah, naturally without before hear, hearing the buzzing. Exactly. That's been a game changer for me because winters are hard for me. No sunlight is hard for me. So I sleep now with my phone outside of my room because I always wake up in the middle of the night. And normally I go to my phone and then I'm up from like mm. 2, 3 a.m. I just can't fall back asleep. So my alarm clock now, I got the same one that it mimics the sunlight, but I can also turn the time off. So even if I wake up, I turn over, if I don't see the time, That's I don't see perfect. the light, I yeah. can just go back to sleep. And then 10 minutes before my alarm goes off, the light starts to come on. And then I set it to the sound of like birds chirping because I also don't want to wake up to like this blaring, like that's so, yeah, like no. that's a harsh way to wake up. <laughs> no, it is harsh. And I don't like waking up harsh. I do have the Apple watch too, which I sometimes would sleep with. And I do like that it'll buzz and wake me up without any sound yeah Mm -mm. so that's been amazing too it kind of sucks though because the technology dies and it's dumb and then who charges everything all damn day exactly (laughs) what what products are you using in the morning okay I'm probably in a transition uh I don't want to like call out anything like oh my god these are like my holy grails and these are it (laughs) what's your skin type sky okay let's just say first sky suffers from adult acne hormonal I, I don't have any makeup right on. So you guys would see if you can some of that. Um, of course, that comes from various factors, hormones, stress, diet, acne. So that's happening. I will have good months and bad months. Good months meaning like no pigment, no hyperpigmentation, no active breakouts. And then just one zit comes and my life is a wrap. <laughs> and it's downhill so I am in a transition phase of that and that's been a struggle for me that's been a struggle for me since I was young mm. so I'm at a point where I'm trying to learn how to manage it because I am coming to grips that it's not going to disappear anytime soon you can't so. just pray it away but you should still be praying I, oh yes <laughs> if, if I always I always said and I, this may be something to like how I feel about my face in that respect. If I had three wishes from a genie, one of them is clear skin. Mm. One of them is clear skin, like, cause mm-hmm. the breakout is going to ruin my day. But I also, I struggle with it, but I also don't hide from it. So I don't necessarily cover it up all the time, whatever. But that right. wasn't your question. You asked me my, <laughs> <laughs> you asked me my products. Right now I'm using um, CeraVe, the drugstore, brand um salicylic acid because because of the breakouts I'm trying to make sure that I'm using either something that's gentle that might have salicylic or benzoyl peroxide mm-hmm. to help kill that bacteria I cannot pronounce the toner's name but it's in target La Roche oh yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah it's yeah, a yeah, white yeah, and yeah. blue bottle I'm yep. using that one and then I'm using another one I got from the derm store so I also to knowing my skin you asked me what type I, I would say combination mm-hmm. so I'm either between and it just depends on the seasons so dry or oily or like some, we'll just say dry and oily or normal or sensitive and yeah. um, oily yeah. because 
I cannot, a sin for me would be not to never wash my face, to go to bed with makeup on, to sit here with my hand, or I will have a pimple in like a heartbeat. Me and Dooney talked about that. Like I have to wash my face at night or I'm guaranteed to wake up with a Guaranteed guaranteed and it's always like it, it's a it was a hard thing I didn't always do it but I was doing myself a huge disservice and I used mm. to say Sky do you want to wake up with a breakout in the morning no no matter what time you come in back when you used to you know be out and be able to party right. out in the world yeah, you getting you, fucked up you're like I'm just yeah. coming now <laughs> no you have to take even if I'm not wearing makeup it's the outside the dirt the grime the police the pollution the sunscreen you have Thank to take the shit off um moisturizers i do change between amanda what's the moisturizer we're using right now i love wait. that where <laughs> wait which one are you using right now the cream okay the one, one that comes in the tube the ceramide yes, yes um, that one that is cosrx cosrx um, cosrx uh they one of their ceramide moisturizers which I is would, really good yeah. for winter time why mm-hmm. I, you guys thought that was funny so me and Amanda are, we're really good friends. Obviously, of course, we have the podcast. I would say Amanda and I are basically soul sisters. We have a yes. great connection. Also, skincare is very important to us. And we do talk about this a lot. So we share products. We mm-hmm. know what like each other might like. This might work for you. This doesn't work for me. Like we talk about that. So she recommended this particular moisturizer that we're I'm using, we're using. So I didn't remember the name. So I went and asked her. And that also, I want to say that also, I talked earlier about being more comfortable with how I view beauty. My friends are one of the main reasons that is possible. Mm. Being able to talk about that, them speaking about it and being open and like have like Amanda and I are like another smaller group chat with another close friend of ours and we sometimes like that's what we like we're talking about we might share things so being introduced in that way for like like like-minded people and people that might be on like even different levels to kind of help me transition to it has been so beneficial like so 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 beneficial right yeah I love that Amanda tell us about your morning routine I oh wait I got to watch oh. Amanda wash her face the other day before she gets in it. It was soothing as <laughs> hell. Okay. I'm just like, I. she's making me an Amanda, and I don't know if this sediment has come off on our podcast. But Amanda definitely makes me want to be a better person. She Aww. makes me want to dig deeper and be introspective and ask myself the tough questions. But not only that, she wants me to make me be gentler on my face. The way that this woman was this, I was like, oh, she paid attention. Did you record it, Amanda? So that that we could, did you record yourself washing your face? There might be something coming out. Thank you. We were working working on um, some content. Um, So Sky was in the bathroom with me and she was watching me wash my face which is funny because yeah you know I might share the bathroom so like you know if I'm in there my boyfriend might come in at the same time do whatever walk out but to have somebody who's like literally watching you the whole time that was a first that was definitely a first so that's hilarious because I was like I knew you were there but I was no you had in the zone skincare time is very much especially in the morning so I will admit like I'm much better with my routine in the morning than I am at night. And I talked about that on the Atomic Habit um, 
episode that it's like, all right, I'm trying to get better as being at being more mindful and selfish with my time at night, the way that I am in the morning. So my morning routine is very important to me. And I can feel a difference when let's say I'm rushing and I don't have the time to really focus on myself as much as I would like to in the morning. So when I wake up, I try for the most part to not get on my phone. And a lot of times if I do, it's because I woke up with 10 million thoughts. So I'll just open up my phone so I can start writing down notes. But scrolling, liking, retweeting, like it's, that's not like for me first thing in the morning. It definitely affects, I think everyone's mental health, whether they realize it or not. Um, And I try to be extremely mindful of how I'm managing my mental health. So I hold myself accountable for that. Um, So usually I'll wake up and I go straight into the bathroom, brush my teeth, do my skincare routine. I, I try to give myself as much time as I need or want like I don't rush through my morning skincare routine I let the products sit in between I like to like I have a little ledge thing set up on my mirror so I'll put if it's not a, a podcast or an audiobook I, a lot of times it's like my YouTube videos like podcast videos or something that will stimulate thought Like it has to be something that like, I'm going to get something from the conversation. I'm going to learn something. That's what I'm focused on while I'm doing my skincare. And then, then I'll stretch. Um, And it all just kind of depends. Like I'll either try to meditate, like while I'm laying there on the mat, sometimes I'll play mantra type music, like while I'm stretching. So I'm kind of doing two things at one time. It's like affirmations that are being repeated over and over again. Um, and now I'm trying to incorporate after that, like just sitting with myself for a little while. So if that means like planning out my day in a way that I know is going to make me feel better, or if I still need to like brain dump, if I have ideas, I try to get them out the way so that I'm not carrying them with me all day while I'm trying to also focus on other stuff. And I sit with my cup of tea. I don't go anywhere before I have a cup of tea. And then from there, like, you know, the day will get started. Are you waking up at booty crack hours too? I'm trying to get better at it, but it is a lot easier for me to do it when I have a reason. So, you know, the last couple of weeks, we we had changed the day that we recorded the podcast. Usually it'll be on the weekends, but we've been recording on Monday. And since I know I have to record, I made sure like to tell Sky a very early time because it gets me out of the bed. And I usually like to have a couple hours prior to if I haven't finished my notes or I also don't like to start recording when I haven't been up for very long because I feel like I will sound like I literally just rolled out of the bed. So if I have something planned, then it's much easier for me to start super early. But Wait if it was minute. up to me, I would not be a morning person. Wait a minute. I on love Mondays. mindfulness. Oh my Wait a minute. God. On Mondays, what time are y'all recording this podcast on a Monday morning? We do it before I start work. If we yes. do it on Mondays. Because on Mondays, I work and eight, I both done. jobs. So I have no time. So yeah. Because <laughs> Dooney is like, a she's a morning person. She told me that her brain works better in the morning. And so she wants to have like these weekend morning meetings. And I was like, let me tell you who not nice in the morning. Like, <laughs> I was like, like, I'm just not pleasant, but I'm trying to work on again, a more like a better morning routine that puts me in a better mood. So I do wake up and do my morning meditation with the shine app. Um, and the shine app was created by two women of color. So mm-hmm. I find that like mm-hmm. that helps me. 
and then I get out of bed. And then while I do my skincare routine, I'm listening to an, an audio book. And then after that, I feel like I'm a, I'm like a pretty decent human being, even before my cup of coffee. <laughs> I, I wake up ready to go, whether it is 5 a.m., 5.30, 4.30, I mean, up, ready to go. And, um, and my boyfriend, he is not... Ooh, boyfriend, I don't even. I don't either. I don't. I don't either. I posted in my Insta stories that if we dated before thirty-four, you a childhood friend. Um, but anyway, <laughs> what? Well, that's a whole nother conversation. We'll get like we'll I, that's, that's I said what I said. No, but um, I wake up ready to go, and and I'm often like looking like, damn, still sleep. Damn, all right, 7.30. Right. And as soon as I see an eye open, oh, I'm like- Oh, no, <laughs> no, dude, you gotta relax. Right, I know, I know. And I'm a Gemini, Capricorn. If, you, if you're into that, then you already know. But I'm like, duh, 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 duh. and I have to remember like, people need time. Go get you some business. But people not only time. people, but thing, I, done did, I done did my business though. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Like I done did my business. I done, got, done, I done journaled, yeah. I done prayed, I done read a devotional. Mm. I done, like I just wait when I wake up and that doesn't mean I always get out of the bed to start my day. Like I'll do a routine, but I'm like awake. Mm-hmm. are I'm you burnt up. out at the end of the day like what oh, yeah. I'm, I, I definitely start getting sleepy at like nine but my okay. brain shuts off like creatively or just in terms of being productive probably by like five so I don't do well with like stuff at night so anything like that requires me thinking strategically creatively it all gets done early in the morning I'm playing myself thinking I can do anything after like 5 p.m and I'm the complete opposite like I can work all night long like and I think it's maybe because I'm used to having a day job while being a creative person so I'm used to being an executive assistant and having to be on from like nine to six and then maybe even throughout the night and then but once I get home I still need dinner and then I still need to do my creative projects Mm -hmm. and so I am used to being up and then it becomes a little bit more difficult for me to wake up in the morning because I've been up being a genius all night yeah yes genius that's the thing so if I stay up too late I'm not good in the morning and waking up early came out of the necessity of me doing both jobs and still needing to find time to do everything else. I would not have any time. It, it would involve me staying up to the wee hours of the morning, and then I wouldn't be showing up for the job that, like, is paying the bills. Right. Yeah. yeah. So then it's yeah. like yeah. really, really hard. So I'm trying, and that's why I said I'm still trying to work out like what the routine looks like and how long the second job is going to stay and all this other stuff. So things are ever changing, but yeah. It is a so different. Far, so far, so good. Yeah, so far, so good. I do feel good about the more the things I've had implemented in the morning. But today was different. Like this morning, I'm like, I need to go to the grocery store. I have a long night. I'm not gonna be able to go to the grocery store tonight. You know, Trader Joe's. They don't want to stay open till midnight. So mm-hmm. I then have to. It's all trial and error. So then yeah. I had to go first thing in the morning before I started one gig mm-hmm. to make sure that I had everything I needed for the day. Yeah. Amanda, we didn't ask you what products you're using. Oh, um, 
so in the more I'll, I'll just tell you the morning because we could be here all day um so in right. the morning I use um I started using first aid beauties one of their cleansers um so I use that and then I use the Laneige cream skin um, as my toner and then I use inkyless hyaluronic acid and then and then I'll go in with either Paula's Choice uh 20% niacinamide or I'll use so good or I'll use uh Paula's Choice they have a pore purifier um serum that it's, you know, it helps with pollution. Like it's an antioxidant. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll switch between the two of those. And then I usually go in <laughs> with a, um, like something for skin barrier. So I'll either use Paula's Choice, um, their Omega something serum. Um, or I also really, really like Crave Beauty's um, Great Barrier Relief um, Serum. And then I'll use my moisturizer so right now for moisturizer i've been using youth to the people's adaptogen that's my shit let me let me give you let me give you a little gem right there's a black owned um cbd company called frig drop a few drops into that moisturizer it'd be the best thing you ever did in your life Mm, okay you said frig i'm over here like let me yes guys i was actually gonna ask you if you use paula's choice like if you use their bha solution which i really love and Mm -hmm. whenever i have breakouts i find that using that consistently is a game changer so i have used that bha solution i actually have the paula's choice i think it's omega complex moisturizer in my cart right now because right Mm -hmm. now literally if i tell I want to have to say one confession. You see how Amanda just gave you like the fly shit. I always feel very like I'm not giving skincare girl goals. I'm just <laughs> feeling, and I think because I'm rushed, it's like I know I need to do this and I want to get the morning started. So it's just like rushing it. I want to be able to like, and I'm running out of my things. But yes, I haven't. I used it and then I when I ran out, I didn't repurchase. Not because I didn't like it. I think I was just using something else. I think, yeah. Amanda, that's when we started using the Honeymoon Glow. Um, yeah, I alternate serum. between the two. Yeah. So then I think I just started to use that instead that and then kind of started to really love the glow that I, I think I started to feel I got more of a, like I can actually see a difference with using that versus the Polo Choice BHA. But having both, is, having both is super important because the BHA is really what is going to ha- help with your breakouts because it's yep. getting deep in there versus, exactly. of course, you use the hunt. It's it's um, pharmacies, yes. honey, moon yeah. glow, um, and it's an AHA. AHA. So wake up yeah. and yeah. you're like, cool. Different. Yeah. yeah. But the BHA does that too, depending on what other products you layer it with. It's going to be a right. little bit more drying. So if you don't like add a bunch of serums and like a really thick moisturizer, then you won't wake up like seeing any difference, but it will really help with your breakouts. Yeah. Two more things. Do you spend 60 seconds washing your face, guy? You do? Yes. Do you use disposable washcloths? I am currently using Clean Skin Club. Like, okay. I All right. do not, yeah, I, I was going to recommend use, those. Yeah, I love those. At first, it was, it went from using your basic ass towel the whole time, that which is not good for the bacteria, then mm-hmm. buying all mm-hmm. these new towels, which was kind of annoying because who's doing the laundry? Mm-hmm. And Clean Skin Club is. Game changer. Game changer. Yeah. <laughs> Likewise. Game changer. I love it. And then it's to the point that it's so sensitive that I'm 
I have like probably 24 different pillowcases. I'm constantly changing my pillowcase. I'm constantly doing all of these things to be preventative. Yeah. Do um, all the things, girl. Yes. I'm going to, you see this pencil right here? I'm going to go back and get that BHA because I literally have a cart between Sephora and Durham store right now. That's kind of just like, just give me all your money. <laughs> give me all your money. And going to the top, me and Amanda are very, very big on going to get facials. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Love a facial. Love it. How often do you guys go? I don't go often enough. Now with Corona. Hi, you could do your at home, you could do an at home facial. Well, I do, do I do try to do uh I do have like a facial steamer. I do try to do yeah. mask, whether it's like so like a sulfur mask with like the mud ones or there is a a hydrating. Difference. But there is a to me there is a difference, but I huge just difference. Try to keep there up. is a difference, but you yeah. know, I mean everybody not making it rain no, like yeah. me. So we be having to <laughs> do our little at home facials. They get it regularly. Thank you. That wasn't me. 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 That wasn't all the mask that I would like to use. I need to, I'm going to buy a new steamer. That's usually the Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's usually the Sunday routine. If I could like fit that in. Yeah. So Sunday routine. So before we ask our last question, um, we want to know if you've had any beauty moments this week, this past week or last week. And a beauty moment is like the good, the bad, the ugly, um, it could be like a procedure. It could be just anything beauty-wise that has happened. Um, so I'll start. My beauty moment is I think I have like a rash on my face. I don't know if you guys can see, but I have had these real tiny little bumps popping I up. see one bump. Okay. I see them. Oh, thank you. And which is weird to me because I'm like, I don't know where they came. Like at first I had my, I was on my period last week. So I thought that they were like breakouts yeah. from that. Cause it's very often that's typically what happens, but they're not cause they're still here. And then they're on your forehead. They're on my forehead. Yeah. I have no clue what they are. I've been trying all of the things. Um, so I'm just rocking out right now, trying not to freak out. I, thought maybe it was because I got my hair straight and maybe it was like the oil from you know my hair maybe it's like resting on my face but I don't know but that's my moment is that I'm trying to figure out how to get rid of them I feel like when things like that happen it's good to like go back to the basics right because sometimes we try to do the most like what is going on this This isn't normal I need to layer all these products but sometimes like that's when it's good yeah. to literally like cleanse, tone, moisturizer, keep it moving. Yeah. And like give your skin like a chance. But that's what I feel like I've been doing. I've just been masking a little bit more, but I don't wear, like I don't put anything like on my face. And I've been using this same products that I've been using for like the past two months. Ugh. Skin is okay, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's just changing them out because because your skin has taken to them and now it's like creating some adverse effect. 
or what have you been doing this week? Anything more stressful than normal? <laughs> no, stress, no. <laughs> stress is a normal part of my life. No. <laughs> Amanda, what's yours? So stress, um, what is that? So for me, it's it, my hair. My hair has just been the struggle. You know how like you just have those moments where like it just doesn't feel like it's sitting how you want it to and doing what you want it to. It's, I feel like it's been like one of those weeks for me. And I like have re-rinsed my hair multiple times and try to like re-moisturize it. But it's just been like a total fail. So like I'm thinking the same thing. Like as, what I'm telling you about your skin, I'm saying it back to myself like that's what you need to do with your hair like just leave it alone back to the basics and just chill out stop having such high expectations over something that is going to do what it wants like your hair literally is in control and you are not so right you me saying that to you just help me check myself so. we in it together sky what's yours um, I did a really good perm rod set. I haven't separated okay, sis. girls, so I'm it came proud. out really good. Um, so I'm very, very proud of that, trying something different. So I do like, and it's, people thought it was my birthday on Zoom, like at work. So it's like, why is your hair curled? Because <laughs> we oh, need that's a whole another, that's a whole another yeah. whole whole conversation. So that's whole my beauty moment. <laughs> people thought it was your birthday because yeah. you curled your hair? Yes. Um, okay. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. And then on uh, my second beauty moment, because I'm stealing the show and going to have two, but it has nothing to Love do it. with that. Exactly. <laughs> Love it. Um, I am listening to a book called The Bells. You know, I had to tie the books back into this because this is what we do. What you I'm listening to a book called The Bells written by a Black woman, Donnell, Danielle, excuse me, Clayton. And it's basically what we were all talking about, mm -hmm. fantasy novel. And it's basically talking about just the excessive ways that beauty is represented in society. So Write that one down. Yes. And it is it's hefty. She's a hefty one. Yes. A lot of pages in that. It's a book. lot of pages in this book. I get the audio book. And I'm listening to it. And it's the audio book. I want to see this. Um, turned into a show it's basically I'll give a quick synopsis the bells are out here to make people beautiful out on this fantasy world people are born gray so the bells are out here to make you look how you want to look so whatever is on trend they'd be like oh my god cerulean hair is all the rage with aqua like the ocean this is how they sound because I'm listening to audiobook that's why my voice changed <laughs> I was like, okay, um, voiceover actor. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I mean, I'll try. But yes, it's kind of basically of like these um, these standards. We were talking about the standards and how people feel and how they look, and you know, it's magic. But in think of it as like plastic surgery, smaller waist, different noses. They're changing their hair. They're changing their eyes. Like, so it's ridiculous descriptors of how beauty is looked at in this nation and what is done and the power that is have to make people look a certain way and what it means to be beautiful I love that I'm gonna get that shit I'm gonna get she that let us know yes. let us know how you feel I'm just getting through it I'm not necessarily endorsing it because like again it's still a lot but I definitely think it is extremely timely to the conversation that we all have today 
Yeah, come I join love- me. You gotta be able to talk about it. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see, my beauty moment. Uh this week. Oh, I had a photo shoot. Ooh. Um yeah. And um, you know, I came through, I was mad cute. And I mean, yeah, not, no, no doubt. There's no doubt in that one. It's definitely Girl. not. <laughs> Okay, there's no doubt in that one. Well, sometimes I feel like when I'm doing a shoot because I did my own makeup, I do feel less confident because I'm not a makeup girl. Like I don't even own foundation and I, I use a tinted moisturizer. And um we're gonna have to talk. We're gonna have to talk, okay? That's you fair. and I are gonna have to talk. Yeah. I'm like, so but the shoot was um it was subtle, sexy. So, you know, it's a lot of shadows. It's a lot of, you know, not seeing my face, my hair in my face. Um, and I've been doing these photo shoots uh, because I'm trying to get comfortable with myself physically. I'm trying to embrace my sexuality. I'm, I have a difficult time um, being sexy, um, being perceived as sexy, like, you know, wearing tight clothes. Like I have a difficult time with all of these basic things that you would think that models have and I'm just always like you know judging and shit because I have no muscle like my body is nothing but skin and bones and like a little bit of booty meat and my stomach ain't flat and you know I ain't got no titties and I just rip myself apart so but I'm also a nudist while I feel very comfortable on a nude beach I don't feel comfortable being photographed or being viewed sexually or sexy um, if you've ever been to a nude beach, you would know it is not a sexy place. Like no one is looking at you. No one cares what you're doing. It doesn't matter. Um, but I feel like the world is a place that's really judging you physically. Um, and so I'm just like, y'all going to get my naked, half naked body and I'm going to get comfortable with seeing it in pictures because one day it's going to be on TV and it's going to be like, yep, that's what the fuck it is. That little pudge sticking out farther than your titties. That's just what the fuck you look like. So. <laughs> I love that you're giving yourself, I love that you're giving yourself a chance to see yourself in a different way, you know, because I definitely relate to that too. Like sexy, what does that mean? I don't even consider myself those things. So for you to be putting yourself in a position where you've had to reflect on that and also like challenge it in a physical way. Like I literally have to stand here and let people photograph parts of my body that I might feel some type of way about. Like that's liberating. And you know, this is again, unpopular opinion because that's just who I am tonight. Um, The person who gave me the confidence though is Lizzo. And I know me and Lizzo have two completely different bodies, but Lizzo, Lizzo being like, you gonna get this ass, you gonna Mm -hmm. get this body. I'm gonna put it on your timeline every fucking day. I was like, yeah, yeah. And be beautiful as fuck. Like Lizzo is stunning. Pretty me, as hell. So. Pretty yeah. as hell. I was like, yeah, you know, like, and granted we, ha- again, we have two completely different bodies, but I was like, Talia, whatever hangups you have about being sexy, like we about to get over that shit in 2021. Mm-hmm. I love and that. our final question, Sky to Amanda, why does beauty need you? Sky, you first. <laughs> beauty needs me because it's all about how I feel about myself. That's exactly what we're talking about. And feeling good about myself is how I look, how I feel, how I dress, what I eat, all of the things that comes into that. So it's a display that it is more than one way. It's not just one thing. 
And beauty means because there's so many things that are beautiful. And I'm just out here to just show everybody that it's there. Oh, my turn. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I think beauty needs me because I understand the importance of storytelling. I understand Mm -hmm. the importance of education. And I really do believe that the more that we push ourselves to learn about our past, our present, as it pertains to beauty, societal norms, self-love, mental health, um, all of those things cultivate what I would hope to be like a much brighter future. So that's why beauty needs me. I love it. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for having me. Thank you. This was wonderful. This was so good. Until next time, beauty needs me, fam.